Hi everybody, it's Em here. Welcome back to Lovejoy Actually, the podcast about Lovejoy. Um, I'm just popping on to say we recorded this one remotely um, and that we'll be taking a break for Christmas and the New Year. So we'll be back with the next episode towards the end of January. Um, We're watching and recording these in order, which is why we're not going to do the much-awaited Lovejoy Christmas special from Series 5, The Lost Colony, um, until it comes up in our schedule. But don't let that stop you from watching it over the Christmas break. I know Polly will be. Um, You can find it on UK TV Play or you might already have it on DVD. If you do decide to watch The Lost Colony, then tweet us um, or contact us through the website. Let us know what you thought. um, And when it comes up in our recording schedule, we'll, we'll add in anything that we've received from listeners. Thanks so much for all your support this year, especially to our new patrons, Jessica and John. It's lovely to have you with us and it means the world to us because, as I've said before, it's a labour of love. Joy. <laughs> okay, on with the show. Love Joy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it is episode whatever it is, 58 or something, so we probably should... Do a proper introduction. I don't actually know how to do them though, so I'll just say, "Hello, everybody! Welcome to Lovejoy." Actually, it's a recap podcast about Lovejoy. Um, I'm M, and I'm here with my two friends who are going to introduce themselves now in alphabetical order. <laughs> I'm I'm Helen, and can I just say, I was listening back to one where we decided we'd introduce ourselves in alphabetical order, and we could we got confused whether it was by first name or surname. It's the same order. I was literally just thinking that. I was thinking, oh, I, that just occurred to me. Oh, gosh, our first names and our surnames are all in alphabetical order. order. Yeah. So, so anyway, I'm, I'm Paul. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I you talked over you. you so I was going to say, anyway, I'm Helen. I thought you'd already said you were Helen. She's still Helen. We're on episode 54, in case anybody was wondering oh, what episode it is. Oh, thank uh, you. We should probably say that. Uh, I think it's... Is it like episode nine or no. ten? Episode ten, I think. No, of seri- is eight, it? eight. So it's series five, okay. episode eight. It just feels like episode ten. <laughs> oh yeah, it is episode eight. You're right. I was whizzing ahead. I was overexcited. I told you I was overexcited today. Series five, episode eight, poetic license, which does involve some poetry. Yes. Not yet. Yeah. Some pretty bad poetry. We'll we'll come to that. I didn't. I wasn't that <laughs> impressed by the actual poetry. No, so, neither. UK TV play. So right, they. I think the the blurb writer has lost the plot a little bit. This time, he's got really. He or she has got really bored of using basically looking up antiques and um, rogue and lovable in the thesaurus. Um, so, so they don't, so rather than having their generic description, you know, like intriguing murder mystery with the jean clad cove of antiques, um, <laughs> the one, what they've gone with, what they've gone with this, for this one is, would you buy a used Rembrandt from this man? I mean, I wouldn't buy a used Rembrandt. I'm not even sure what one is. What's it, it used? Bit... I mean, all Rembrandts are used by definition. Um, I mean, can you imagine, imagine the newspaper ad, Rembrandt, never used. Yeah. <laughs> Good as new. Good as new. <laughs> and, um, but that's got nothing to do... Uh, yeah, and as we see in the episode, ageing paintings is very important. 
But um, no, the Hughes Rembrandt's obviously got nothing to do with the episode as well. It's just their way of trying to say, oh, this is about antiques, haha, in like a different way because they were getting bored of the thesaurus, but it's terrible. Anyway, that's the thing. And then uh, the actual uh, episode, Charlotte asks Lovejoy to value the contents of a nursing home. But soon our hero is fearing for his life. So we've had two peril-heavy episodes, one after the other, haven't we? Yeah, actually. Very peril-heavy. I prefer the peril in this one. I mean, I suppose he... Yeah, I mean, so obviously the context of the nursing home bit, that's just what happens. Fearing for his life, I I guess. I just enjoyed that UK TV play have decided that he's their hero. Yeah, hero before, have they? My hero. Our hero, yeah. He's quite heroic in this one. I I just had one. I just had one big question from that. Well, Mm. just apart from the Rembrandt, I was like, I bet there are no actual Rembrandts, and it's just some weird way of trying to be funny, and it's really odd. But also, (laughs) my main question was: Do nursing homes typically have valuable contents? I don't. I don't know. Possibly do. I would Mm. think because they're often in. Oh, actually, I've got so much to say about this one. Um, They're often in big old houses, so I wonder if they ever have houses that are donated to them, that they would be donated with the contents. Mm, And the contents mm. is usually a jumble of stuff, so you might have the occasional thing that's, that's, you know, worth worth something, I suppose. And that's kind of what's happened here, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Well, that, that does turn out to be what's happened here. It's really socially interesting, this episode yeah, I it think is. it was socially interesting did you guys go down the same mm. rabbit hole I went down yes I about did, I yeah think. about asylums and looking at when things open and this was around the whole care in the community and yeah I was annoyed to myself because I'd written care in the community in my notes and then at some point in the episode somebody it actually says it later. and I was like I did know that before they said it <laughs> But it's really interesting that they're talking... So this is before the Labour government took over. So it's, it's kind of the last few years of the... the Last, well, not last Conservative government, but, you know, before mm-hmm. we had a little Labour interlude. And, yeah, it's when they trialled care in the community. And I, I say we had... I'm not going to go into the whole story, but we had a, a gentleman who lived in the flat below us that we were told because he he was causing quite a lot of problems because he he wasn't very well basically Mm -hmm. and I remember this person saying well he's under care in the community and me saying but the community doesn't care for him the community avoids him when he roller skates through the community in a dressing gown because that's what this guy was doing (laughs) bless him and you know this idea of oh but it's care in the community it's terribly worthy it's not because nobody was looking after this gentleman exactly at all and then every now and then he'd get sectioned and when he came back he was completely fine and and it it, yeah so it's the whole debate around that which was already controversial at this point can we go from one very serious matter to another very quickly helen what are you drinking Oh, sorry, yeah, I just opened it in the middle of when Polly was talking, so sorry about that noise. Sorry. I love this. No, 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 it's my fault. I love this. Rhubarb Ooh, and ginger good. gin oh. liqueur. It is it's really so good, that one. It's so nice. I wish it's... I could show you my one. It says, House of Elric, plum and peach, <laughs> gin and tonic. Could be disgusting. Got a beautiful Celtic design on the table. Plum and, plum and peach, gin and tonic. Yeah, and the other one I've got is by the same company, but it says Bramble. So I'm saving the bramble one because I think I like it more than plum and peach. But I'm going yeah. in. So you, you're you both bring, drinking fancy gins. I'm drinking a normal one and I'd even run out of bloody ice cubes. Uh. <laughs> I'm just drinking normal sad gin with sad generic tonic. But I was just going to say, so going back to our the topic of the community, I suppose it shows how far we have come from that. 
that because when it was saying nursing home in the blurb, I immediately thought old people's home. Old yeah, people. I did. And that was my kind of, and then I got very confused because for the first little while I was thinking old people's home. Then I was obviously looking at the people, thinking you're not old, or some of them were, <laughs> but they weren't all. And um, yeah, I was kind of a bit confused. But then yes, because I remember this is what you know. Many people that used to live in institutions before we decided that that wasn't great, but we replaced it with something. Yeah, I would say that it equally even, wasn't great. Yeah, also wasn't great. Um, mm. But it was quite an interesting, like you say, piece of like social recent social history. It's, it, it's like we went to one extreme to the other, and we had the ideals, but kind of nothing, no resources to back them up. Yeah, there was no kind of. But this was the fact there were people in this nursing home who have been there their entire adult lives and you read about that all the time and it's frightening to think it was so recent yeah i read about something recently i'm trying to think where i read about it and it was a nursing home in in oh no i know where it was i read about it in notes from a small island i think uh and it was a nursing home in virginia water that burned down um but but that but that had been there were people there who had been there for decades and decades i mean obviously there are that's within our lifetimes yeah i mean there are still people that are in you know there are still those people but it is just a lot less common i mean they do sadly there are you do hear occasionally like it seems to come up like on the news when there's a problem, basically, you know, like yes. some person who yeah. hasn't been looked after properly and they are like, let's say, a 30 something who's been in this place, you know, for 20 years or whatever. But yes, it's a lot, it's not our first way of dealing with those things anymore. And I guess, is this set around the time when that's all changing? Because they're talking about like yes. the reason the nursing home needs money is because the funding model is changing, I guess. Yeah, and I looked it get... up, but. Um... Did I write it down after I looked it up? I think, didn't it start in the late 80s? So by this point, the cracks in the new system were showing and I think that's kind of what it's looking at. But also it's this idea of one size doesn't fix all. So yeah, yeah, you want to get rid of those massive Victorian asylums where people went and kind of, you know, as a spectacle, watched watched the nutters kind of thing. But this is, not Mm. this is somewhere that is working, but there's just this generic axe going, well, shut the lockdown and move everybody to this new system, which is always the way, I guess. Yeah, and depending on what the council's like in your area, it's a bit of a lottery as to how much care in your community you're actually going to be able to access. Or again, the assumption that it's right for everybody, yeah, which it isn't always. And this is meant to be an example of somewhere where they obviously really care for, you know, they, they seem to have really nice... It reminded me, and I know you've been on them as well, Em, it reminds me of places I've been on retreat. Yeah, it is exactly very, like that. Wasn't it exactly like that? that really oh, nice. We're, we're skipping massively ahead, actually. I'll we come on to it when we get there. I was going to say, I think the same thing happened in the States. Because I was going to say, if you're American and you've no idea what we're talking about, I'll link to the Wikipedia page in the show notes. But actually, I'm fairly certain, certainly I'm sure in California, the same thing happened in the 80s and 90s where they were like, hmm, institutions aren't the way forward. I think we'll just... uh, our governments were very closely aligned mm. at that time anyway so mm. it probably did i would have thought yeah but i, I don't know i don't know anything about anyway that. we haven't even talked about the opening scene yeah we haven't we but haven't. i just wanted to get i wanted to get scene. kind of that off my chest because i found it so interesting for that for that mm. it was very anyway. interesting but we actually open away from the nursing home we open with love joy we do we open with love joy painting and it's hot it is really sexy it's really hot <laughs> Yeah, good bit of fourth wall breakage. 
Yes, but I like that we're reminded every now and then that Lovejoy paints because it is a theme that comes again and again. It was in that lovely, the first episode of series three where he comes back from Spain. Yeah, uh, and he said it to they, Charlotte, they, didn't he, in and this he, one? In this, he, yeah, he says it to Charlotte in this one and he said it to Jane in that one about discovered I couldn't paint again. So it's just this recurring theme. I love it. But he can but, paint. But I got. Yeah. But, I, but it was a shame because I, I kind of... So it was like, I was like, oh, he's painting. Oh, how lovely. He's indulging his passion for painting. But no, no, <laughs> he wasn't. He was doing he's a cheating. forgery. Of course yeah. he was doing a forgery. Of... I bet he put his name on it, though, Helen, so it's all yeah, right. Somewhere yeah, somewhere he put a little LJ. Um, but uh, he was, it was a painting after George, sorry, John Thurtle of the Norwich School. I did look up if he was a real member of the I, Norwich School. I did look it up and he was real. Oh, well John done. Thurtle. I think they got his dates wrong, though, because on the online it says 1777 to 1839. And I'm sure Lovejoy said circa 1950 at some Yeah, point. I thought he did as and, well. And I know the Norwich School was in the 1950s. He said 18... Sorry, eight, 1850. Yeah, he said 18. Either but either way, that's too late because mm. it was 1839 was when he died. So if he said 18... Mm. Unless that's Lovejoy's equivalent of putting your name on it. Well, it's not really a well, because I put I 1850 told you. on it and I t- everybody knows he yeah. wasn't alive then. I told you it was 1850 and I said it looked like a, the style of John Thurtle. But obviously that means it wasn't him because he wasn't alive yeah, in 1850. Because it says 1850, you see. So yeah. He definitely referred to man. 1850. That, actually could, that actually could be the case. But um, yeah, so basically he's doing this lovely painting, which is kind of like the subplot, isn't it? Although there's not really much that, I mean, we see this painting throughout the show, but yeah. it's not really. The main plot very much took centre stage. Yes. And yeah. um, basically Charlotte shows up to Tink's caravan looking for Lovejoy. And, and I know we've seen Tink's caravan before, but obviously we notice it this time because it's a plot point. But it's, we notice that it's very nicely furnished. For a mm. caravan. Well, say caravan. It's more like one of those, you know, like, static, like, mobile yeah. home type things. Trailer, as they were to call it in the States. Um, but, yeah, she's looking... Basically, Charlotte's looking for Lovejoy, and she sets Tink off to look for him. And we she's presume... She's a bit rude to Tink, isn't she? I There's that wonderful was. thing about how she found him, about, oh, I was told you yeah. live in a caravan in the field by the church. Do you know how many churches and fields there are around here? <laughs> oh, which which was kind t- of funny, but... Tink says to well, her, can't you bleep him on one of your bleepers? And then there's yes. a bit of a beat, and then he goes, oh, I suppose he hasn't got a bleeper. <laughs> I just really yeah. enjoyed it. Lovejoy needs to get himself a bleeper, he needs to get with the ni- early 90s programme. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so this is where we assume that... a pager, that's what you want. Mm. So I, I'd already, I was like, okay, so she must be looking for him because he's meant to be going somewhere with her. And I presume, I was like, okay, he's going to the nursing home with her. I was like, well, I was like, I knew exactly what was going on. I felt very clever. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, he was actually going to the nursing home with her to look at stuff. And then, and then we go to the nursing home, which is called Delwood. Mm. When they're playing, playing croquet, playing croquet on the lawn, I, I was like, "Is it for posh people? Is this just it a nursing home?" It's all very civilized. Yes, Can you play croquet, you two? I have played it before. I've played it at QC's house. Beat that! <laughs> Quite like I was when I was watching. I was like, "They're not going to believe I'm not posh." Was that the poshest day of your life? <laughs> it was I actually croquet. the poshest. Yeah. No, that was when she borrowed a horse off her friend. No, (laughs) as you do. That's just how you get around in the countryside. (laughs) Sure. Um, Borrowed horse. And so we learn that the the nursing home, and I think because I guess they're getting less funding because 
the focus isn't on institutions, it's on caring the community. So they've got this shortfall of half a million pounds. And so the owner of the nurse, the director of the nursing home and her like assistant are discussing it. And then Virginia Moncrief, who's one of the residents, who is mm. quite central to the plot, comes on and has, and has an idea. Like why are they listening to the residents for ideas? I'm not sure. But... Yeah, they seem very sort of care. Isn't that sad? As you say, they seem very caring for people who run a care home. I was literally (laughs) saying that with with no, uh, like wow. No, they do they they do seem very caring. You get the impression it is it is. They're not after the money, basically, are they? No, but they need half a million pounds. You Mm. get a very interesting mix of people as well, because of course it isn't like sort of certain specialist institutions where everybody at least has the same thing wrong with them in inverted commas they're, they're going to have a whole range of people from presumably people who have got got very old and got dementia to people who basically have ptsd is what yeah she sort of got ptsd we find out later on yeah so that and there's a lot of people with some very interesting pasts i would have thought and probably wealthy people as well because it's clearly a slightly more it's a bit well healed, isn't it? Yeah. Croquet and That's it. That's the sign. So Tink catches up with Lovejoy and finds, finds him. And basically, you know, he's like, why aren't you at Delwood? He's like, I said I'd go there this morning. And, and we basically find out that he gets to Cavendish's about half 11. So to be fair to him, that is still the yeah, morning. still the morning. I was oh, fully no, in agreement. Oh, no, I'd be a bit pissed off at that oh, no, I was in agreement. I was like, yeah, it's still... If you didn't specify a time, then yeah, 11.30 exactly. is still Five the to 12 would still be... It's the morning. morning. Yeah. But basically, mm. Charlotte's pissed off because he's late. So she's like, I'm going to give the job to Willoughby's. And, um, yeah, Lovejoy is not happy about this. But then it transpires anyway that Willoughby isn't available. So she basically has to, like, back down. But she pretends... That Lovejoy has persuaded her, but actually she does it very her, cleverly as well. He's her only Lovejoy. option. He's her only option. <laughs> yeah, and in the means, it's because and the reason Charlotte's so wound up is because the director of Delwood, what's her name, Mary, is it? The, yeah. Who runs the home? She yeah, is Mary. a friend. She's a friend of Charlotte, so Charlotte's sort of doing this as a bit of a favour. Charlotte is just becoming Jane, yeah. isn't she? Yeah. She's it's got the very friend. important to her this friendship, isn't it? The friend on her uppers, yeah. And, yeah. and then somewhere in the middle of all of that, Tink offers to age the painting that Lovejoy has done. <laughs> and then this reminded me of a discussion we all had way back in, I think, the second episode of the podcast about rubbing tea onto things oh, and putting yes, them in the microwave. And just, well. All of that. It reminded me of <laughs> when you were at paper school. Look and... old. I mean, that, yeah. is, that is basically what he does. Basically <laughs> what he was doing. He's like, oh, I'll just dab a little, I'll dab a tea bag on it and make it look old. I'm sure it was, well, I don't think it was a tea bag. <laughs> it right? was, yeah, I think, but I mean, it may as well have been. What was it, potash? But pomegranate. Pome- pomegranate of potash. potash. <laughs> what was it? Permanganate. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pomegranate, oh. not pomegranate. Yeah, callback. Um, um, anyway. Then what happens? Oh, then Charlotte's driving Lovejoy about in her car and they have a nice chat that I just they thought was nice. nice. They do have a nice chat, don't they? And basically it's they chat about Tink's collection and Beth and, yeah. Yeah, they talk about Tink's collection of art deco and modernist stuff and he make, Lovejoy makes some quip like it's the most expensive immobile home in <laughs> oh, yes. wherever. But yeah, in the field next to the church. Yeah, in the field by the church. <laughs> and yeah, he says a lovely thing about Beth because I think Charlotte asks, so how's Beth oh, getting yes. on? And he says, oh, she's small but perfect. Yeah. I love that. Aww. I don't know why I found that so touching. And he looked so very sweet. at home in the car. I know that sounds a bit odd. He did. He but was, he was kind of lounging in the yeah. car. Rather but he, than... always looked, he looked like yeah. he was nursing a hangover to me. 
But we know yeah. he'd been up early painting, so... Uh... I, I like this episode, though, because... And it's it, that small but perfect comment was lovely. And then in, in a little while, you see him talking to Virginia and various others. He's very um, kind of compassionate. Mm, and and yeah. at no point... And I yeah. know you, you would hope that he would do this, but at no point does he talk down to anybody or imply, like, oh, but you're a bit mad. He doesn't show any fear or uncertainty or lack of confidence talking yeah. to people who he knows it, are are institutionalised. This isn't a temporary hospitalisation. And yet he doesn't show any of those awful characteristics that probably a lot of us have when we're not quite sure. It's true, he's very comfortable with them, isn't it? It's well, lovely, I mean, isn't Whether it? he's comfortable or not, he shows compassion and kindness to them. You know, whatever. It's, yeah. yeah. I thought that was just so lovely. It really struck me through all of this. Yeah, despite mm. all the peril. Despite, well, you see, we haven't had very much peril yet. But, uh... <laughs> I didn't think it was... I mean, I don't think it was that perilous, to be honest. It was slightly oh, gothic when he, he, he I, I say, I well, I'm leaping like ahead, but he did it. almost get killed by a chandelier. That's fairly gothic. <laughs> it's very gothic indeed. Um, but before but then, that, Beth's learning about tables. Yeah, so basically Beth, that is true. Uh, yeah, the Lodger makes a lovely comment about Beth, and then we lis- we cut to her listening to some funky '90s jams. Ah, <laughs> oh, those were the days. <laughs> and yeah, educating what yourself. Were your, what were your favourite funky '90s jams? Well, I mean, so this is... We well, must still be in 93 when this was broadcast, or maybe the beginning of 94. I had... No, it's 93, because the Christmas special was shown in 93. Perfect. And the second episode was on Boxing Day. Anyway, carry on. Um, <laughs> so... Checking us yeah, off. If Tink was here, he would shout, as he shouted at Beth, Visigoths! Visigoths! Oh, yeah, Visigoths! Oh. So, yeah, so, then, so Charlotte and Lovejoy arrive <laughs> at Delwood, and basically, yeah, so as we already know from the blurb, Mary, the director, wants evaluation of the stuff inside because she just needs money. And um, she doesn't want to sell it, but she just is like, I she just need. To. Yeah. Um, and she refers to, like, because of the new rules. Mm. That's, where I, that's where I was like, oh, I have oh, yeah. this is to do with, no, I like... Went and did a load I wrote, of I wrote yeah. was this a Tory thing? Of course it was a Tory <laughs> thing. Of course it was I mean, a Tory thing. I mean, if I had thing. to ask that question. But anyway, this is where we find out what Virginia's great idea was. So she has a desk... And um, she thinks that she can actually pay her own way. She can stay there and pay if she sells this bureau um, because she thinks that it's worth a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and this is, why, this is why I still... This is, it took me until around now to catch up to the fact that like, it was not a nursing home for old people. Because they, when they were like, oh, Virginia's been here 30 years, I was like, but she only looks about 50. And as it turns yeah. out, she was about 50. That's yeah. what was so sad about it. In fact, wasn't she even meant to be younger? Wasn't well, she? She was seventeen or eighteen. She was nineteen. She, she was nineteen. Yeah. They said, and she'd been that there thirty years. 19. So yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Poor Virginia. So, and this is where we yeah. also where the poetry comes in. So we also find out one of the things they do at the nursing home to bring in some money is bookbinding. Oh, so I love bookbinding. We, we see we see Virginia there binding a nice book I of do. poems. I do. I bound two books this summer. I did a, really? a bookbinding oh, course. Wow. I mean, That's it was amazing. lockdown. There was nothing to do. I learned how it's, to it's sew some books sourdough. together. Yeah, it's more original than sourdough bread. It was very enjoyable. I mean, you, you can't eat you can't eat the books after, mm. but yeah, not as enjoyable, really. I'm sorry, not as enjoyable. Can't eat them. Yeah, <laughs> longer lasting. Um, and then I was like, why does a nursing home have all these posh paintings? But you're quite. I mean, you were way ahead of me, Paul. Like, obviously, because it, it wasn't always a nursing home. It was a stately home that was given with the stuff in it. But actually. Um, and then this is where it all gets a bit odd with Virginia and Lovejoy. So Love Virginia comes up to Lovejoy and starts sort of like 
because she basically she's there because she's got some sort of you know mental health issues that we don't ever find out what they are i mean who knows if she's ever been we sort of i think we sort of find out at the end that just that she had a breakdown that never recovered from it really but but we don't have we don't have the label that we would probably have now one way or another yeah yeah but so but she basically is a bit incoherent anyway let's say (laughs) she's how she's talking yeah and she's saying to lovejoy you know where the because her bureau is just the desk bit it doesn't have like the bookcase bit on top I love a bureau. I've said I know I've said this before on this podcast, but <laughs> you do. I love a, I love a bureau. Yeah, I, I love just a bureau. love a bureau. Oh, and this one was lovely, even without the. Tools. It was lovely. Oh, oh. I agree. I thought it was lovely without the bit they find at the end. Yeah, but that's me just too. me. Oh, I just loved it. Um, so she's saying to Lovejoy, "You know where the top half of my bureau is, and it's worth two hundred grand. You know it is, and it's all a bit. We're like, what's going it's on? It's all very strange. Mm. Well, then we go back to Tink and Beth, don't we? Uh, we, we go back to Tink and Beth and like we see this is where we see Tink with the tea bags although probably not tea bags enhanced patination he calls it <laughs> says, dabbing it with a tea Beth bag Beth says so fake in it and it just reminded me of that bit in um, Educating Rita where he says assonance and she says so it's getting the rhyme wrong <laughs> and it is Beth calls it like it is doesn't she we're oh, faking then it's faking it yeah but they have a nice little chat and they talk about their families and oh it's a very very sweet bit where Tink, so Beth, you know, Tink's asking Beth about her family. She says, "Oh, I've got two brothers," and Tink says, "I also have brothers. My brother Aww. monks." Mm. Oh, you see, we'd forgotten about his monkey. I know, I was forgetting. Yeah, monkey away. There's a there's a lot of callbacks here. I wonder if who, whoever uh, actually who did write this. It was T R um, Bowen. T R Bowen. I wonder if T R Bowen. Um, really liked that first episode in series three because about ten minutes in, you've got him referring to his monking and you've, you've got, got Lovejoy painting. Lovejoy painting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's very nice. It's very nice. It is. I quite like the bit. And Beth says to Tink, "Why have you collected all this stuff? Like all this Art Deco modernist stuff? You, you don't. You don't need to have stuff." And he says, "Well, I don't need trousers." And I just thought. <laughs> You kind of do. You do need trousers. To operate in society, you do need trousers. You don't need an Art Deco figurine, but you you do need trousers. So we go back to Lovejoy and Charlotte at Delwood, and basically, as we kind of, you know, you can kind of guess how these stories go, there's nothing really there that's worth a lot of money. A few grand here and there, but they need like half a million. There's nothing, it's not going to be there. Um, But then this is where we have the peril because we see we see like somebody so basically yeah there's a big like well sort of chandelier but a chandelier as in like actual chandelier where you put candles in so it's just like the like ring. a big wooden one the, yeah. oh is it iron great big great big metal well, I think it's ring. wooden because of the way I think it, it is wooden oh, actually it looks like a wagon wheel doesn't it yeah either way it's going to bloody hurt not if it whacks you on the it head would. It's, you're not going to do well out of that but we see someone we because obviously it's on like a winch so that you can you know, winch it down to put the candles on so it's on like a pulley and we see someone with their hand on the pulley um, 
to let it down. And it's like meant to be all mysterious. Who is it? Who is it? It's like, I'm like, obviously. To, to me, it was blindingly obvious who it was going to be. It's Virginia, the crazy woman. Oh who, my God. I did not think it was Virginia at all. You probably say the crazy woman, though. You sorry, I'm and that, sorry. This, this, no, no. But this is what leads me to. So the next bit, when Charlotte, because Charlotte, so Charlotte pushes him out of the way. Charlotte is just constantly and permanently saving Lovejoy in, in so many ways, me- metaphorical and literal. When she's talking to Mary about it afterwards, she kind of implies that mentally ill people are all kind of violent or have a tendency to which she says they're not in control and yeah and Mary, Mary says there's nobody bit, here who yeah, had violent a history tendencies a history, so, it, history of violence yeah no no one here with a history of violent and Mary's kind of slightly affronted by it and actually I realised that I think even more so then but but I suppose to be fair to Charlotte I, I'm not because I think you're right she does have a bit of a you know negative attitude she assumes that like well obviously they're in here but I suppose in a way you can you know, these people are essentially kept away from society for whatever reason. And so you could assume that reason is because mm. they might hurt others unintentionally. Yeah. But, you know, but that, it's another I, maybe reason that's why, where it's coming from. Like, she's thinking, well... It's another reason why care in the community didn't work because or doesn't work, arguably, because people still... There's still a stigma. And now we're talking 30 years after this was yeah. made, pretty much. And people did think, and then every now and then you just have one once in a blue moon an incident where somebody does get attacked or killed, and it will say in the press, you know, oh, they were mentally ill, and then everybody says, it was like like that guy that that flew the plane into the mountains, and people then went online and said, no one with any history of any mental illness at all should be allowed to do any responsible job, and I thought, well, that's me out then. That's that's not that I want to fly a plane because I'm dyspraxic. I would crash a plane, but nothing to do with being mentally ill. It's to do with being incompetent. Thank you very much. But I think as well, it it sort of misses the fact that if you if your mental health isn't great, then the person who is at the most risk of harm is you. Yeah, you're absolutely. you're the more, more likely to come to harm, whether that's that's just you and you're yes. doing something, or whether it's the people around you and this stigma that yeah. leads to them beating you up or and, ostracizing and you. Or and the most vulnerable oh, person gosh. here who has sort of been not quite ostracised but you realise at the end when her ex-landlady finds her is Virginia, actually. Mm. So I just found... I know I'm in preachy mode. Did you two really think that it was Virginia at this point? Yeah. Because I... 100%. Yeah, yeah. Literally, I've seen I'll, it before, remember. Yeah, you have seen it before, to be I fair. just... For once, I just... I was like, clearly it's Virginia. Well, I'll tell you, I, I got really, really super confused in this episode. So I'll tell you at which point... I finally realised what was going on, and I'm telling you, it's not for a little while. Was it after the, <laughs> while the end credits were rolling? So yeah. So, ju- so just to say, so basically, I don't think we've been that close. We sort of, it's basically like the chandelier comes crashing down. Um, Charlotte pushes Lovejoy out of the way and saves him by landing on top of him in a sexy way. Um, <laughs> and then in a sexy way. And then they go into obviously they go and talk to Mary. They tell Mary this. They have to go and tell her like you know. Something's just crashed off this the ceiling. Happened, yeah. And this is where we get the um, bit of history of the house. So as we've said, Lionel White, who was the last owner, died in the 30s. And there was basically a dispute with his family. There was some family fortune which was never found. So they just argued over that for ages, spent all their money on legal fees and then had nothing left and then just gave the house away to become this home. And the painting... With everything in it. And all the stuff in it. So this is how come yeah. they've got this stuff. And then um, they try and think, well, why would someone want to do this to Lovejoy? Try and put a chandelier on his head. And this this is, is where I've written, 
they are detecting. Mary asks the posh dodgy dude to look up everybody's records. What are these two doing? Are they in cahoots? So oh. I was I thought Mary and her assistant were the bad guys. Completely. I was like, what are they doing? Why is she I, do, I just didn't understand what was happening. Because Lovejoy was, Love <laughs> Love was like, okay, why would someone not want us to value this stuff? Um, maybe it's some member of the family, the white family, white with a Y, as we learn, mm. um, who thinks the stuff is theirs. So therefore, so maybe one of our residents is a member of the family. I mean, it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a kind of leap, isn't it? But they do decide to check um, the records for anyone that's, well, no one's called white, but anyone that might have, uh, you know, a mother whose maiden name was white or they have other, Mayhew, mm-hmm. Mayhew or Lawson, these are other family. And it's basically, they're going to look at all their records of their patients, whatever they're called. Is the patients the right word? Um, I guess, residents, I, I guess residents, residents, they're in, residents. They're residents, but they're inpatients as well, yeah. I suppose. Re- residents, yeah. residents is probably a better word. They're going to look at all the records of their residents and see. So that's that's the kind of, the line of inquiry. And then Beth goes to borrow the laser printer at Cavendish. Oh, yes. I've gone to borrow your laser printer, she says. I was like, oh, no, we don't get to hear Polly's inkjet printer impression again. <laughs> I was very sad. It's not of relevance here, I know, sorry. Oh. Um, but there's a guy at Cavendish's, there's a posh car outside and there's a guy there, I can't read my handwriting, Mr. Stonely Stibbs? Stonely Stibbs. Oh, I love... Stibbles! Stonely Stibbs. What a chap. Stibbles! I love, I love Stonely Stibbs. What a great chap. I do. He was a Stibbles! I did too. In case you can't tell from Polly's impression, Tink and Stibbs know each other. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do. And it's... Well, we haven't had... Uh... We haven't had a stinker. We haven't had a great uh, <laughs> tinker-based... Isn't there one per series, roughly, though? Because there was stinker, and then there was your man in uh, the episode, I can never remember the name, Who Dares Sings. Oh, yeah. Was that not stinker? No, stinker was, stinker was the one who was, who was uh, living with Virginia McKenna. Oh, yes. Mm. With, with a dog called Saskia. 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 Yes, yeah, so the reason the Stibbles is there, and we, I, we haven't mentioned this, but I think it has, they do have mentioned it already by this point that um, Charlotte's hoping to do an auction of like Art Deco stuff. So she's got Stibbles on the case because he's like an expert in that era. So he's going to help her find some stuff. And she also wants Tink to help her find some stuff for this auction. Um, so, anyway, so Tinker and Stibbles are old mates. Tink, uh, Stibbles goes to Tinker's um, caravan, sees all his stuff, and is like, oh my god like it's worth like 30 grand like you've got an amazing collection you've got here. a lot of stuff here dude mm. then we see virginia's room we touched oh, on yeah. this earlier didn't we polly it was like a retreat it, room it does it look, did like look very it's nice lovely. very very nice very calming very homely very sweet still kind of sad i think this is where they say she's been there 30 years which is yeah. really sad and we're, where we see so she's, we see the bureau though which made me very happy Go on. Yeah, we see the bureau, but yeah, I mean, you and we don't. Lovejoy doesn't say explicitly at this point, but you know, you kind of figure out. Yeah, it's not worth two hundred grand. I mean, it's a nice bureau, and you can tell his heart sinks. As yeah. well. it's just, it's really sad that he wants it to work he out. Wants doesn't he wants to help. He really, really does. He is very caring, and you always get the feeling he he cares a lot about the underdog. Yeah, and we've seen that before. He's always very caring to people who deserve to be cared for. Yeah. I yeah. Think. 
Um, and then we go back to Tink's caravan where we see... Well, I've just put ute. <laughs> you know what? There's a I youth actually, ute. I actually found this. Was it kind of an even sadder kind of indictment on society? Yeah. This it was all kind of well. tied together. It had a bit of a social... And it's, it um, really did. And it's now occurring to me that there was not really any point to this plot. There was no than, point to this character. Other than to make a social commentary. So anyway, we see this, yeah. we see this young guy casing Tink's caravan... You, and obviously you're like, oh my god, they're go- he's going to nick his 30 grand's worth of uh, antiques. But Beth and Tink chase him away. So that's that's kind of... That's, that's in the background. That's percolating as a separate strand of mm. what's happening. Um, would you like to hear what Dr Fleming has diagnosed Virginia with? Yes. Because that's the next bit of my notes. Yes. Virginia, Virginia is in the home because she was heartbroken. And you were right. The end. Sort of. A well-known she, medical diagnosis. She, her heart has broken. Well, yeah, so basically we, we get her backstory, don't we, that she had an affair with an older man and she had a, break, so she had a breakdown. And she's from quite a posh family, but now, you know, sadly, they're all dead. There's no more money. So they can't pay for her care. Yeah, it's just her. so that's why she wants to get some money to... Uh, you know, to pay for that and sell her lovely bureau, but it's not really. And she's been much. insisting that Lovejoy knows why the desk is so important, and Lovejoy's like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what it is, I don't know why she would say that. It's very so, weird. That's isn't really it? that's it's a mystery, sad, isn't it? As well, as a, yeah, yeah. And then to go back to kind of, there are a few strands, aren't they? But none of them. Are, so there's there's other strand about the Art Deco auction. So Stibbles and Tink are off to London. To find I don't feel they made enough of this strand. Actually. Yeah, because I I, I got really confused by it later on. So I was like, "What's this?" Wasn't bit so about? much. I was confused. I just thought there could have been more done with it. Could have mm. been more, you know. And I I love Art Deco stuff anyway. Oh, so. me too. So, um, Sybil says to Tinko, oh, "London's a desert at the minute. You won't find any stuff. I don't know why." I mean, is this oh, the well-known 1993 Art Deco antique strand of London? Um, <laughs> So basically, um, yeah, so Stibbles is saying to Tink, oh, London's, London's a desert for Art Deco stuff, but Charlotte doesn't want to cancel the auction, even though there's going to be no stuff for the auction. So Stibbles gives Tink some leads, and um, Beth and Tink go off to London, and they are going to go and see Stibbles in Camden, where he is while they're there. So they go on the Yay, off the Camden. Yeah. I love Camden. And um, then Ben, the, the youth is back with his 90s hair. But now he's trying oh. to break into Lovejoy's. Isn't he breaking into the... Oh, you know, he's breaking into Lovejoy's. Yeah. yeah. He's trying to break into the caravan. Yeah, he's trying to, like, get into the I think, lock-up I bit. think this is why I thought so highly of Lovejoy at this point. He's very good. because of it. the little bit that happens now. And, and, and I know Ian McShane is such a good actor because there's something about his eyes that, yeah. that you believe him. Well, yeah. I just... And I do... I. <laughs> Maybe I'm reading too much into this, but as I was watching that, I was thinking, I think Ian McShane's probably genuinely quite nice. I mean, I feel oh, no, we've I got enough information is. now from various from other sources people who knew him. Yeah, we've never interviewed anyone that said that he was a right arse. Yeah. So, but, um, shall I go over what what happened? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, he, Lovejoy comes, he finds this guy trying to break into his house, but then the police show up and go, "Oh, Kipper." So basically, he calls the police because this guy is trying to break in he doesn't know at this point any kind of backstory mm. and i think you would however compassionate you are you see a person trying to break into your property you call the police police show up and do the whole oh it's you again which you hear about a lot i guess the p- police you know picking up the same people again and again almost like a cat and mouse thing 
And they say, oh, oh, it's you again, Kipper, which is a heck of a surname. But then they say, oh, he's as though this is funny. Oh, he's called Kipper because he kips somewhere else every night. Yeah. And you think, that's awful. That's an uh. awful nickname. And it, it's to me, it's that whole thing that you he hasn't even got a name. You've dehumanised this person so much. Because yeah. you haven't even, you, all you've done is given him a, a, a humorous little nickname that, that, that has stripped, you, you, you won't even let him have a name. He hasn't got anywhere to sleep and now he hasn't even got a fucking name. And it really, oh. it, it kind of hit that bit of me and I all went very worthy and virtue signally. But um, it was awful. And then they said that he was in Care in the Community. And that's when Lovejoy... He says to Lovejoy, do you want to press charges? And I think Lovejoy says something along the lines of, of course I don't. I'll tell you exactly what he says, because this is the bit where I was like, oh, I'm going to cry, aren't I? He says, don't be daft. Mm. He says, don't be daft. And if someone says, don't be daft to me, that's like, it just tips me over the edge. I just think it's the nicest thing. That's when he gives his little northern bits away. And I don't think it's because McShane was actually northern, but don't be daft. I know he didn't say it like that, but don't be daft. I mean, he kind of did. He kind of did. It was very effective. It was very sweet and gentle. And I have to say, I did have a little cry because I get very wound up about this sort of thing for for nothing to do with me but for just various reasons and it because I, I volunteered in a night shelter for a while years and years ago and it did just used to upset me that it was just all these people that for various reasons had just sort of fallen off the radar yeah it could be any of and us no one picked them up as human beings and yeah. and this was this was just a local shelter that was like a you could rock up and we had 16 beds and if you uh, and it was free and if you rocked up sorry that was a very long-winded yeah. way of saying this happens all the time all the time. And I think the point... Um, I will say from a narrative point of view, though, it was... This is it. We don't see Kipper again. Yeah. There is no, no. impact of Kipper's existence on the plot of this episode. But and I so think, for that reason, I was a bit like, oh, come but I think on. It was, I think it was to show... No. It was like almost to emphasise the point of, like... It this was. Nurse, this, ner- this nursing home that's doing a really great job is potentially yeah. having to shut and struggling because of caring the community, yeah. which, look... Care in the community isn't working yeah. because look at Kipper. Kipper was a premonition, wasn't he? Really? Yeah. It was. It's. I thought it was. I thought it was fabulous. And it was, bit of writing. And it was very clear that like he wanted. He was pretending. Well, not pretending. Trying to break in in inverted commas to these places so that the police would pick him up so that he would get a bed for the night. Yeah. So he'd go and sleep at and the station. It was. And it was I just think sad. it's awful. Although Lovejoy did come out. Lovejoy did come out to find him with a baseball bat. <laughs> But I mean, yeah. it, you would, wouldn't you? It's your stock, it's your shop, and it's the only place you've got to sleep. You don't want someone so breaking I, it. In. So I wasn't quite so much as you guys about like, oh, isn't Lovejoy sweet? I was like, well, <laughs> he was going to twat him. He would have twatted um, him. Meanwhile, had, the person I've oh, and he sorry, would have twatted him because he might not have found out that story. Do you know what I mean? Like he would have twatted him, and it was yeah. the same person that he twatted. Do you see what I mean? I mean, yeah, yeah. You don't know why people. Me- are doing. <laughs> Meanwhile, as we're concerned about Kipper and. Uh, our social consciences have been pricked. My next note says, oh my God, poor Mary, I really feel for her. And I was reading back my notes, I was like, why is this? And then I looked at the next bit, all these files are on paper. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's, she's basically going through all the records of the people who are in the home. But they're all paper files. Oh my god! They didn't have any just kind search. of database. Yeah. Oh, my, I ne- I've never felt so relieved for Excel. <laughs> Poor well, the, Mary. the whole country is apparently still running on Excel. Yeah. 
Yeah. She's got she's got her little notebook out and she's going through every single file, trying to work out if there's somebody there with some sort of connection to the posh family who ended up giving up the house. Uh, but she doesn't find a connection. Thought does of she? that before, wouldn't you? Before she said to Lovejoy, can you just pop up and see yeah. if any of this shit is worth something? Yeah. But anyway. And then we see, basically, so Tink has now been alerted. Well, he, I guess he knew that his stuff was worth a lot of money, but he's kind of thinking about it more now, and he gets um, an insurance guy to come and, like, value it or to see if he can get some get it insured. But obviously the, <laughs> the guy from the insurance company is like, mm, I don't think I can insure it because it's basically in, like, a shed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're like keeping a, it in a sardine tin or whatever what does he say call it like a yeah like a, a sardine tin but less secure than a sardine tin or something i can't remember yeah. the words but yeah, yeah um so basically yeah he can't get insurance because his, his, the stuff isn't secured but look tink's like oh well never mind i was gonna go off to london to uh <laughs> me and Beth leave it here in my and I'm going to look for Art Deco stuff for Charlotte's auction and I'm going to sell this painting that I've been putting tea bags on for Lovejoy (laughs) Lovejoy's going to split it with him 60-40 but 60's going to Lovejoy even though Tink's doing all the work although Lovejoy did paint it Lovejoy painted it that's quite quite fun isn't it that's the fun bit the creative oh, no, act. the fun bit. No, the fun bit is the surely the tea bag bit and all of that. Well, I mean, maybe. when you were at school, didn't you prefer? Didn't you prefer when you made shit look old than when you actually wrote the supposed newspaper from the eighteen <laughs> twenties? No, didn't the bit? I liked writing it too. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh dear. So then, Lovejoy and Charlotte go back to Delwood, and this is again where we see like a mysterious hand. Here I've written. Dodgy nurse, question mark. These nurses are up to something. I literally, I, my brain could not comprehend the idea did you notice, that it could be a resident. Did you notice it. that all of the residents, they were playing Cluedo, which was a fabulous little Very, metaphor. Yeah. They were, yeah. So um, we see someone watching Lovejoy and Charlotte arrive and I'm like, well, clearly that's, I'm going to say that's Virginia again, you know, looking to like get them again. <laughs> so basically... Different. Dodgy nurse, they're all dodgy, question mark. I was so I've, confused. I've written a similar thing. I've written, are they all in on it or something? Uh, it's basically, they kind even of, though I'd seen it before. So basically, it's a bit weird. They kind of, rather than just like, I don't know, just going about the business and waiting to see what happens, they try, they try and set a trap for this for whoever tried to kill them last time. But it's super fucking dangerous. And also, I hated this bit. I felt, also, I felt very uncomfortable. Very kind of... Like rely on a lot of things happening. So basically, yeah, they're is. all playing Cluedo. The nurse that's watching them kind of pretends to go to sleep, and then the the an old guy who we've seen a few times before he leaves the room, and then so the one nurse bleeps another nurse. I mean, at this point, I was so confused and trying to write my notes quickly. I had no idea. I, when I said <laughs> when I said the old guy leaves the room, I've written room with three O's. <laughs> That's how. That's what she does when she that's gets. That's how perilous it was. Because I couldn't. Room. That's how much peril there <laughs> and was. And then we see. Then, and basically, you see someone with a pair of scissors. So again, I'm like, this is Virginia. And there's perilous music, so you do know that it's serious. I think our perilous music is better. Yes. They should just, they should read up it. They, should have just, they shouldn't have employed Dennis King, the fairly well-known composer. They should have just employed us and our just slightly off-key, random in the background. jingles. Yeah. 
But we see, you see someone with some scissors and she's cutting some. I mean, it's all, well, like, you assume it's Virginia and it is Virginia. It is Virginia. Yeah, it is Virginia. And it's all a bit basic. Tissues. To be honest, I found this bit a bit, all a bit elaborate and pointless. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't... And I, I, I've written, I can't be doing with the fall from height. He better not come off that ladder and then he does come off the ladder. That's right. She, she and cuts I just, the, like, what I is it, like, it. cord of the ladder. And then she says Ugh. to Lovejoy, why aren't you dead? But you get the impression she doesn't mean because you fell off the ladder. Yeah. I mean, she obviously thinks she thinks that he's she's, someone else. She feels she's being haunted by him, basically. Yeah. 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 And at that point, you think, oh, well, that actually makes a little bit more sense somehow. Why she's mm. sort of scared of of him, or why she's angry, or you know, all all of these potential emotions. Because he's like, why won't you die? Mm. As in, mm. I, you keep coming back to life, and you're haunting me. And and, and he sort oh, of, I mean, metaphorically, so when we find out who she thinks it is, he has sort of been haunting her for thirty yeah. years, hasn't yeah. he? It's awful, oh, really. God. It's very sad. And then we... They should have called this psychological thriller with the lovable rogue. (laughs) (laughs) Rather than... That's what they should have called this Rather than whispering on about used Rembrandts, and that was ridiculous. Yeah. So then then we cut to Beth and Tink in London, and we get Beth on some sort of Buddhist, you know... That's exactly why for him. Beth on a Buddhist rant. Possessions just get in the way. Possessions. (laughs) That you sing in your mansion, yeah. Yeah. Um... Sorry, John. Yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, John. Um, and so, yeah, that, and then we, basically, Charlotte, at this point, goes into, she's, like, channeling Lovejoy. She's going into full-on detective mode, um, like, researching, okay, so why is Virginia being, trying to kill Lovejoy? And they basically get, find out that Virginia's, the lover, this older guy, was someone called Keenan Howells, who apparently was a contemporary of Dylan Thomas in Camden. I'm guessing he's not real. Uh, do you know what? I didn't even bother looking him up because I was just like, I would know who that is. Yeah. So, but I've never heard but of him. Also, but also, he's, not, he's not a person. It would be a heck of a libel if he was real. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. If he was I actually know, Ted Hughes probably or something. Ted Hughes in there and people would just believe it. I mean, I would have Well, I thought it. it was maybe supposed to be Ted Hughes, I mean, really. it was, wasn't it, to be honest. Let's, let's face it. Yeah. What I enjoyed most here is that Mr Stibbles, or whatever his name is... Just happens, super conveniently, to be an expert in <clears throat> post-war Camden Bohemia. Oh, post-war Interestingly, Camden there Bohemia. is somebody called Keenan Howes on YouTube. Is he a poet? And a ghost? He's got <laughs> ten subscribers. I'm, ge- I'm oh, going to say he doesn't do poetry. No, he I don't appears... know, ten subscribers sounds about right for a poet. <laughs> no, he appears to be... An American child with a lightsaber. Oh, that's disappointing. Anyway, carry on. We're miss- the- at this point, the best thing in the whole episode happens. They go to the pub. Yeah, so basically, yeah, so Stibbles is oh, next. Oh, yes, it does. So, so, yeah, it's very convenient. So basically, they find out that this Keenan Howells who hang about in Camden, and where do Beth and Tink happen to be going to see Stibbles, but Camden, very conveniently. So, yeah, they go to the pub that Howells used to... Drinking. And did we see which pub it was? I, I, which pub was no, it? I was trying to work out I which pub it was. It was the Camden Head, not the Camden I, Head with the flat roof that's on Camden High Street. The, the other, other Camden, Camden Head. Head. 
that's in where is it Polly it's in Islington do you know that's what confused me so it's actually on Camden Passage and it confuses Mm. the crap out of me I have performed in both of those venues yeah that's why I knew where it was yeah (laughs) because me me and Emma performed at the flat roofed Camden Head that's where we're totally going to have our final Lovejoy Lovejoy live Lovejoy actually live and but the Camden Head in Islington is where I did my first sort of big gig and it's an amazing pub I thought that's where it was then I then I got then I thought no because it's not in Camden I might just... be wrong but the no I... they had the window frosting with the name of the pub on it which I... is what gave I, it away I knew that I must have been but in that, that could be Camden Head anywhere Really, I, I did recognise it, but I've been in so many pubs in London, which I know will surprise listeners. It reminded me of, you know, the Edgar Wallace. I thought it looked like the Edgar yes. Wallace. Oh, I love the Edgar Wallace. Oh, oh that's God, a pubs. Do you remember pubs? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so in the Lovejoy universe, Keenan Howells obviously is real and is quite a famous poet. Like We found out that Beth remembers him from school and he was also mm. he was also Welsh like Dylan Thomas and they used to hang about together and stuff um, anyway so they asked the landlord about of the pub they're like oh Keenan Howells used to drink here didn't he and they kind he of he was great that landlord as well I loved him he was, he was like yeah we've got very some... well done yeah and he was like yeah we've got some stuff somewhere about it yeah people used to come in here asking about him they haven't done for years and he finds this old newspaper article about Keenan Howells <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah here it is this is the best bit of the to be honest it was it was brilliant oh it was so ridiculous we see if we can get a screenshot to share with you on instagram or something but basically oh yeah it's a picture of keenan howells who's <laughs> it was good this was good i've written he looks just like lovejoy it's ridiculous yeah it was it was the suspension of disbelief uh, it wasn't disbelief wasn't suspended it was positively floating yeah so you're like, ah, oh, that's why Virginia recognises Lovejoy, because she thinks that he is Keith. <laughs> yeah, poor Virginia. Aww. Oh, dear. Um, then they go and find Virginia's old landlady. Mrs Mulligan. In, in a road that is not real, because I did look at Blankside Road. I wondered if, if you would. I, I nearly no, did. And then I thought, I'll leave that one to Polly. That's her stomping ground. Mm. No, I did check because I'd never heard of it, and I never heard of it because it doesn't exist. It's so that you don't get hordes of Keenan Howells fans, you know, trying to congregate. I, I know, I know. They, they probably had to change its name after the... Uh... <laughs> no, probably. I think it was round the back of... It was near that Catholic church. It, it, it's very near to where Alan Bennett used to live. That's a very niche, but I, I recognised where it was and I've forgotten the name of the road. I've written down a quote from Mrs Mulligan here because it really moved me. But it moved me so much that I, that I can't read it. <laughs> so it basically says, she saw, so she's talking about Virginia... She saw the poetry. She didn't see the man proper. What wrote it? The man proper? Is that what she said? She saw the poetry. She didn't see the man proper. What wrote it? Anyway, the point that she was saying was she didn't see that this was just a tit. He was writing poetry, and that's the thing that she was in love with. Yeah. I thought it was very moving. Moral of this, what? Very moving that poets can be twats. (laughs) Yes. Well, they are. They are. They are. Yeah, so they they go around the corner to see yeah, Mrs Mulligan. There's a blue plaque on the house, because obviously in this universe, Keenan House is, is blue plaque worthy. And um, <laughs> Mrs Mulligan's really, like, excited to see him. She's like, oh, I remember Virginia. I loved her. She was a lovely girl. And also she left, mm. crucially, she left all her stuff behind at Mrs Mulligan's. Because presumably her and Keenan <laughs> were shacked up there together. And she left I felt her- as though Mrs... 
Mrs Mulligan should have said at this point, oh, and conveniently, she left all her stuff here, which I'm going to tell you right away because you've only got ten minutes of the episode left. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it I did mean, feel a bit like one of those I again. mean, she's very trusting of these people that, like, and they're like, <laughs> exactly. oh, we know where Virginia is. And she's like, we, we're like... We Give can, us her stuff. We can take her stuff to her. And she's like, okay, then. And obviously, I mean, here predictably, <laughs> the, the, the stuff is in the bookcase, which is the top bit of the bureau. Um, and then Mulligan says, you can take it as long as I can see Virginia again. Oh, which is so sweet. But yes, so it is actually quite a moving episode. This, yeah. Um, and then we go back to the painting storyline, kind of where we find out that Charlotte. Oh, it's actually it's a bit of a weird scene. There's a lot of. I, this is a bit cringe, isn't it? I I, I it found a, a lot of I found a lot of weirdness in this episode. I've got to say. So we find out that Charlotte bought the painting, the one that Lovejoy painted, from Tink for two hundred and fifty quid. She just bought it for herself, not to sell it. And she says, "A busy girl deserves the occasional treat." I was like, "Yeah, you're damn right." <laughs> I agree with you, Charlotte. <laughs> but also, like, it's this weird conversation where basically, so she says, "Oh, I like this painting, even though I know it's probably not." She thinks it might be forged or something, but she likes it. And basically, it's this whole like sort of you know at cross purposes conversation about you know you like she how she likes it, and it's kind of implied that she, the reason she likes it is because it's painted by Lovejoy. Yes. Um, and he's getting all creepy and like trying to snog her when she's not looking. It's all very weird. I can't, I can't even describe. You wouldn't, you wouldn't write that now, would you? You wouldn't, really. No, it was a bit of an odd scene. I did not at like it. At this point, as Polly just touched on earlier, at this point I've written, there are only eight minutes left. What is happening? <laughs> you see? <laughs> I, I still thought the nurses and Mary and that posh bloke who was Mary's assistant I still thought they were the bad guys I still even though Virginia had just been mentioned I just ha- hadn't this, got it even this... though Virginia had done this, the the ladder thing I thought she'd been put up to it and they'd taken advantage of her mental incapacity and made her do it I still couldn't put two and two together oh, even dear. after the picture of Lovejoy as Keenan Howe like, I couldn't do it I don't know why so they take they take Virginia's stuff back to her, but you know it's still not worth two hundred grand. Like it's worth a bit more with your top bit, but it's still not worth two hundred grand. And so they're like, why does she? And she's convinced that it's worth loads of money. Mm. Um, and there's a brilliant bit where they've got the stuff, and I like this bit though, where um, they bring the newspaper cutting of Lovejoy slash Keenan <laughs> back to, and they're all talking about Virginia's stuff and what to do with it. And how it's quite a nice bookcase and blah, blah, blah. And Beth and Charlotte are just sitting there giggling. Giggling. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like teenagers. Over this picture. I mean, to be fair, it is pretty funny. I liked that bit. That was nice. It was quite funny. And sort of at his expense, if you like. But then they... Uh, I mean, he's a rogue. He's... Uh, the, the, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying they're completely... You know, they have a lot of similarities, but they clearly have some. Him and Keenan, your man. Yeah. Mm. Bohe- Bohemian Keenan. Well, they're both creative, aren't they? Painter, poet. Cad. Mm. So they, they, Cad. Show, they show Virginia her stuff, and then she sort of has this, like, moment of realisation that, you know, really, she, yeah, like, Lovejoy yeah. can't be Keenan, he's dead, and, mm. you know, she kind of has that sort of moment. And then she's like... Oh, she's, doesn't she say, am, am I going to be punished? It's really oh, sad. But then she's sad. But then basically she takes something out of the bookcase and essentially she's hidden all the poems that he wrote to her in all the books because she's into bookbinding. 
and that's what that's why it's worth the money because there's 20 undiscovered poems of this which is pretty poet, cool which is pretty cool but they do read out one of the poems and i mean i didn't write <laughs> yeah, it down yeah unfortunately it, they're not very good poems it was a shit poem but yeah you know he wasn't real so uh <laughs> and that's probably why he right. didn't keep a copy and put it for publication himself what, he was he, like, Look, this it, is just he wasn't mine. real <laughs> no because it was a bit rubbish that one <laughs> Shh, they're all real don't spoil it in like Lovejoy they... Universe, Keenan House was like, these it's are just like my when... sort of practice Whenever ones they for uncover, uh, and, and I love it, one of my favourite Beatles albums is the one with all the outtakes on. Um, mm. have you, heard, you must have that, Em. There's one where yeah. they're, they're singing and your bird can sing and they're just all giggling and it's yeah, really good. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's stuff like that that gives me... Um, confidence it gives me real confidence in in create any creative project that i do which includes this one because i just once you hear creative people once you hear the first bit of their creativity like patty smith put something on instagram the other day which was her sort of doing edits on something and i just think yeah because nobody gets it right the first time just because we see the end product we're not seeing the 300 hours of actual bloody editing so when, of this bloody podcast that's when people hear this, this podcast and it's so polished and so researched <laughs> and so eloquent exactly they don't know it's taken me an they hour to do every know. 20 minutes god damn they, do, they don't know what we went through to get to that level of how of much precision wine and... we had to drink <laughs> anyway so so yes yeah, so they've so they found the unpublished poems which are going to be worth a shed load because if you how much does didn't they didn't they sell the bit of paper where John Lennon had, had written out the lyrics to something and they sold it for sort of tens of thousands the thing a few is, years ago and the thing is it's not just that it, it's the actual poems and then there's the fact that you can yeah. publish the poems and sell them exactly. millions of times over so yeah yeah Lovejoy kind of goes through like all the opportunities so you've got serialise them in the papers publish them in hardback publish them in paperback sell them at auction like you've got quite yeah. a lot of financial all of the streams above, you know yeah, so many coming different ways so exactly. delwood is saved delwood is saved basically we no i don't think it is saved by the poems though is it it's still not enough partially but then they make a little bit more oh yeah they? i forgot about that yeah. this was the best bit <laughs> So, this is what saved this episode for me. But before we before we do that, so basically we... I mean, it's a bit of a point, because this is why this other plot was kind of very unbalanced. So basically, oh, Beth, yeah. Beth goes to Tink's caravan and sees it's empty of all his stuff. And she's like, oh my God, he has been robbed. Um, but mm. then instead he's giving... Well, I presume not giving, selling um, all his collection to Charlotte for her auction. Yeah. So basically, she will have an auction even though there's no Art Deco stuff around. So that's kind of nice. I didn't really... It was yeah, a bit of a point. Yeah. It was nice. And it also shows of how Tinker just views life. He just sort of... Well, I felt like he'd been swayed by, by Beth, Beth, which yeah. I thought was really nice, that he's the yeah. experienced older person, but he's willing to listen to her, saying, you don't need all this stuff. Like, it's just weighing you down. But it was in keeping with how he clearly thinks about most of life, given that... He lives in a caravan in a field by the church. Mm. Eventually, he the dream. Um, he ambles off to Burr Island to run a pub at the end, which the is, other dream, you know, uh, <laughs> the other dream. But but he is quite happy-go-lucky in a lot of ways. He and he, he's sort of almost slightly nomadic as well. You get the feeling he was comfortable in the army and wasn't mm. ever intended to settle down. He was the one that clearly wanted to go off with the hot house flowers 
whereas Eric, it was a dream that was never going to be. He was the one yeah. who got on stage and danced and yeah. let himself go. It's I just I love Tinker. It's it was it was a very Tinker thing to do. It was even if he had to be cajoled into it by someone else. I hope he got thirty grand for his stuff. Um, I do. And then we go fi- back to Delwood for the final bit where we see, we see Mrs Mulligan, the landlady, and Virginia, and it's very, very touching, isn't it? Seeing them sat together talking. Mm. I, I was a lovely moment. And then they, and then they kind of give, they deliver the final um, sort of verdict to Mary, like, look, we've looked at all your stuff. It's probably worth like 15 or 20 grand. You know, it's not going to be enough to save the, uh, the home. But, and we've had, this is where we had a Chekhov's gun, but we didn't mention it this had come up before. yeah well i didn't even realize that it was so we'd we'd earlier on when they first go to to look at the home lovejoy sort of says about the waiting and the because the like lovely old edwardian oh, curtains yes. that were weighted down and he says oh they could always sell the lead in the curtains yeah. you know um and so he mentions something again about it at this point or something um and He's like, oh yeah, the lead. You can always sell the lead. And Mary says, oh actually, it's, if you feel it, it's not lead. It's um pennies. It's farthings. They're obviously not worth anything. Cause, you know, there's like how many farthings in a pound? You know, but yeah, mm. they're, they're farthings. And then for some reason, what makes them decide to have a look? Because Lovejoy says, oh, that reminds me of the story. Oh yeah. Of this this farming family who oh, that yes. they were quite well off, but then their riches. Their, not their riches, their fortune got lost for two generations because they'd hidden it so well and the place that they'd hidden it was in the curtains. So he gets his penknife yeah. out and just has a look. Slashes the curtains, like you do. It was the best, honestly, this is the best ending of any Love it episode was. ever. It was a superb ending. I really, really liked it. It rescued the whole thing for me. <laughs> so. But it was great because it was so unexpected. Mm. You know, and, and it it meant that we'd been given a whole load of red herrings all the way through. You know, the the bureau was, I mean, you know, it was nice, but it was a red herring. It wasn't going to be worth the millions. Mm. The poems, yeah, they're going to be worth a lot of money, but and and a they're hers, and and b probably not enough. Tinker sells his stuff. Great, that tells us a lot about Tinker. Still not enough. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> and then it, I, and I like that. I like the fact that actually none of the plots led to the solution. Yeah. So Don't we should you? probably it's... say that a load of gold coins fall out of the curtains, and they're like, sovereigns. Like, like they're not farthings. They're sovereigns. Gold um, sovereigns. And then there was some maths. Did you do? Did anyone do the maths? No. I started well, to. I got we, confused. Well, we I figured one of you would. Well, you, yeah, love to because they sort of go, oh, there's you know, um, seven windows, fourteen curtains. You know, you do the math. But it's like, well, we didn't know how many sovereigns were in each curtain, so how can we do the math? He says how much they're worth, though, doesn't he? Yeah, but he yes, how much but each one He says yeah. each one's worth each 50 one's quid. Each one's worth 50 quid, but without knowing how we many... We don't know how many in each yeah. curtain, but... We but could, we could is... estimate so how many estimate gold coins, saying, yeah. sovereigns... Well, how many do you think were in each curtain? I'm going to say 200. What do you win if you get it right? Is it like when you guess the number of sweets in a jar? And I, you get I the hope sweets? that you just get this money. Yeah. <laughs> So that would be, How many sovereigns that would be in a curtain sounds like well, some if really it was, weird Well, if riddle. it was 50, it would be 140 grand. So we want there to be more than 50. What do you think, listener? How many sovereigns are in a curtain? It's <laughs> well, it not a trick be... question. Write your answers on a postcard and send them in I mean, to... but we know the answer. It must be half a million pounds. Yeah, so... Because that's exactly so, how much yeah. they needed. Half a million <laughs> so... divided by 14 divided... Oh, sorry. Half a million... <laughs> Divide I was going to say, 14, write your answers on a postcard and send them 50. to Lockdown 2. Well, We've got nothing to, better to do. To get half a million, <laughs> there need to be 
There need to be 714 sovereigns in each. Um, That's quite a lot. They could be not, a, but then they've made they some money already. But they they made have some made some money, some money already. already. Anyway. So I wrote, so I wrote Finn. Finn, as in... Ah, as in, good. As in... But sans champagne. No champagne at the end. Ah, yeah. yeah. Sans champagne. There, there should have been champagne, yeah. Surely. I don't, no champagne. No, yeah. no time. Anyway, all's well that ends well. All's well that ends well. Yeah. All's what well. did you give the episode then? Well, I... Although I appreciated the pricking of my social conscience and I felt it was making a really valid point about what was happening in society in 1993, I did feel it was a little bit heavy-handed, which lost it points. But it then regained the points with the gold coin. Oh, and also I didn't like that eight minutes before the end, I was like, what is happening? Um, So I would give it a 7.5. But at least one and a half points of that is for the gold coins at the end. Because that was really cool. Yeah, I... It was just a bit all over the place. Like, there were so many bits to it. It was a bit... Nothing really tied together for me. I'm going to give it seven. I thought that was the point, though, because then at the end you have all the gold coins and we're like, oh, it was there all along. You know, they're, they're going down all of... They're looking at all of these, barking up all the wrong trees, you know, like in a maze, going down yeah. all wrong. I've yeah. come up with many more analogies for It was very pleasing to have been wrong-footed. <laughs> I will say, I, I I'm, that. I am going to give it an 8.5. I really... Because I really liked the the social content stuff and I like the focus on that in the 90s I mean I know sorry we make the 90s sound like the sort of middle ages don't we in terms of <laughs> but I just I liked the fact I liked Lovejoy's response constantly to these various people where he treated them as people I mean, yeah. I should go without saying it showed, it showed a lot about his character didn't it I think but yeah. it, it did and, and, and this was bear in mind there is still stigma around a lot of this sort of thing now um, 30 years ago that was really cool actually and I, I really did like it I liked the whole Kipper thing as I say I know I'm probably putting far too much emphasis on it but the fact they called him Kipper and yeah. all of that I just found so it, it, it just it summed up how I remember that era which is that all compassionate sort of gone yeah. um, a, a, a little bit and I know I'm, I'm probably really over egging it now but no, so I'm going to give it an 8.5. Also, it had a rocking story and a little bit of peril and uh, no misogyny, particularly. That's yes, true. That's very no, true. No misogyny. We like it, and so, I do like a bit of peril, but... I like a bit of peril, although it wasn't necessarily very plausible peril. I wonder if uh, when it aired, at the end, they had the little card, that, and I don't think that this would have happened, but it would happen now, if they had the little card that said... If any of the issues in this programme have affected no. you, then ring oh, yeah. blah, 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 blah. No. Call the BBC Action Line. Every other programme now BBC is called the BBC Action, Action Line. Line. But, yeah, oh, I 8 just... 1, 8 1, 1. It would have been... Begun with 8 1, 8 1, 1. It always did. And then you might accidentally get through to Ghostwatch. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, get, you, just, you just get through to a very confused Philip Schofield. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, that's, that's only... Do you remember when that first started... When that first started coming on, like if you've been affected by any of the issues, I, I remember when that first started. I was like, "That's this is so strange. Why would you phone? call the BBC Action Line?" It was always I it think was always it's like lovely. No, yeah, no, I, think, no, I think it's a good thing. But I think when it first started, it just seems, you know. Well, I suppose it seems a bit like. Um, is that the BBC's job? 
But actually, we sort of say the BBC's job is to educate and entertain. So there's also an element of public service of like, actually, if we're a conduit for getting you the result, not maybe giving you the resources that you need, but getting you towards them in some way. Do you wonder how many people, though, say, oh, you know, I've wanted to have help for a while, but I won't call Mind or, you know, the Eating yeah, Disorders yeah, Association, yeah, whatever the issue happens to be. But I'm going to call the BBC Action Line. I'm going to call some some. Well, maybe because that in... feels more friendly and safe, yeah. the BBC. Do you think they're going to get through to, like, Judy Dench or something? And obviously the BBC Action Line are going to say, call Mind or call Beat or call... Yeah. Yeah, but they might do... They might say to you you're right, this is quite serious. I'm going to give you the the next steps that you need to take to, to get Alan some Titchmarsh's help. Alan Titchmarsh's number, because he's very sweet and he'll, <laughs> he'll make you feel better. Well, maybe they very do... serious about the BBC action line maybe, and you tell maybe, me very silly. <laughs> maybe, maybe you ring up and, and you just get a voice of a soothing, you know, like Judy Dent. You just get a national <laughs> treasure telling you that it's all going to be or fine. Or even just the posh radio... Stephen Fry. Even just the posh radio four lady... Oh yeah, she could yeah, tell me yeah. that she could just tell me everything's going to be okay and I'll be fine. When you ring it, when you ring it, if if it goes to voicemail, <laughs> do you think it goes? This is the BBC Action Line. <laughs> oh, I hope so. <laughs> right, listener, oh. have you phoned the BBC Action Line? We don't need to know what your issue was. We just want to know what happens when you ring it. We, could have we might as well line. ring it. We've got enough issues between us. I'm sure we could we have. We've pick got a loads. program that we could ring up about. I'm afraid we don't, when they we don't have the equivalent. Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> if, you've been, if you've been affected by any of the issues in this podcast, just, just tweet us. I don't know. Tweet, no, tweet us. I'm always on the Twitter. Slide That's into right. our If you've been affected by any on. issues in this podcast, bad luck. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> but you know what? They didn't have the BBC action line at the very end of Lovejoy, which was very sad, and I'm not going to ruin anything, but it was very sad. It was 1994, which is not that long ago. You'd think they could have said, if you've been affected by any of the issues exactly. in this final episode. And I and I would have rung up and, yeah. Anyway, does anyone have antique an antique of, of the week? Antique of the week. <laughs> my, mine, yes, I'm going to say, we've already foreshadowed what mine will be, but mine is the Bureau, because I love a Bureau. But yeah, I... You made a good point um, earlier, Paul. About did it was it better without the top part? I just I did just like the desk bit, but I yeah, exactly. I have the other bit as well because then I could just decide. Okay, do I want both or not? So yeah, the bureau, yeah. please. So I'm gonna have even though I did not like the actual poems, I'd still want to have the poems because yeah. the thought of having something that a person has held that's part of, as you say, the creative process. I mean, I would I would love to have, for example, a, a, a script of Lovejoy or MASH or any other programme that I'm really into with people's scribbles on it and crossings out. And it, So the idea of having something that is a, a written on by the actual person is very appealing. Yeah. I'm going to have something rather niche. Go on. <clears throat> this is partly because I'm currently attempting to buy one of these items for reasons known only to myself at one point one of the residents was being gently helped from what was it called i want to say kenwood house it wasn't called that delwood delwood um he he was being sort of gently helped out and into the back of a minivan i assume for a day out but he was wearing a baggy 90s t-shirt with like celtic designs on it oh yeah i 
loved it so much. I was like, oh my god! I used to steal one of those from any every any and every boyfriend I had. They would always have that T-shirt. I must have had hundreds. They were so comfy. They were great. And then I thought, maybe they'll sell. Not while I was watching the episode. This was prior to watching the episode. I was thinking about getting like a big baggy boyfriend T-shirt because I don't have a big baggy boyfriend to borrow one off. And uh, so I was looking for them online, and they're like thirty bloody quid for nineties band T-shirts and stuff. He was very nineties. That guy getting in the back of the van, wasn't he? He was. He had he had hair like my boyfriend. Yeah, long hair, Celtic T-shirt. Bless him. So nineties. Oh my! Oh. Yeah, I loved. I just it just really took me back. I really really liked it. Mm. So did we learn anything? Mm. Can I say something really depressing? Yeah, yeah, because I was going to say something about Excel. <laughs> I, I was, I was going to say I learned that we have not got any more compassionate as a society. Yeah, yeah. Um. I it's it's it, one of was it you, Polly, or was it you, Helen, who mm. earlier on said everything just goes round in a yeah. cycle. Yeah. So why don't we cheer ourselves up by remembering what happened? At the end of the late nineties, when everything was good for a brief eighteen-month period before it all went crap again. Basically, before, before we just went to war. Basically, between yeah. like nineteen ninety-eight and two thousand and one, things were. Great. Yeah, it was great. Aww. Did I tell you that when Labour came into power, I went. I I was doing my A levels, and I went into my English language class. My English language teacher was nowhere to be seen. Uh, mm. We had a supply teacher, and she brought in a box of red wine, and was like. I don't care that some of you are under 18 and I don't care that it's 8.45. Let's have a drink. <laughs> and we all oh had gosh. a drink. And the whole day was like that. The, the, all the college teachers had brought in champagne. They brought in everything. Like the whole oh, the, the feeling t- of it was it, such, like, it was so, it was, it was such a relief. It was such <laughs> it was a nice feeling. It was a lovely feeling, but I don't think the teachers in my school were that cool. I don't remember any booze, unfortunately. Well, I didn't no, go... There was no didn't. sixth form at my school, so I went to a college, and the oh, college okay. was very... Call me Dave, don't call me oh, Mr. Yeah. So whereas, whereas I was stayed at my school for the sixth form, was, so yeah. Was he actually called Dave? Because if he was called, like, Clarence... I feel kind of bad quite... now, because I'm like, I think he actually was called Dave, so probably better ought to say something else. As though... As though... He's matters. definitely listening. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, what what have I what's I learn from Lovejoy today? Mm. Well, I guess I learned. I said, I mean, it's not. It's quite a niche thing, but I didn't really. I haven't really thought about like the whole process of, you know, so like th- that home going from being sort of an aristocratic home mm. to then losing their fortune to then having a second life as a nursing home and then that you know I suppose thinking about like that cycle of what happens I know we've talked a lot about what happens to country houses but just thinking about how you know they they've had this precarious existence for a long yeah. time and yeah. that was quite interesting because I suppose I would have just I suppose we haven't really seen much of them having other lives and other uses so that was quite interesting to me in a very geeky way my main takeaway was the advent of electronic databases. Honestly, when I saw Mary with those files on her desk that she'd got out, clearly got out of her filing cabinet and the hanging files bit, and then she had a little notebook and she was doing her cross-referencing, my heart just went out to her. I was like, this is going to take you weeks. And it would take mm. us approximately, given whatever internet access we've got, I'm going to say 45 seconds. 
Mm. Like, it would not be hard. Export the data, run VLOOKUP, does it match? Yes or no? Cool, done. Go and get a cup of tea. I just, I really... Because sometimes, I suppose this is what I've learned, sometimes Lovejoy feels really modern, even though it's from 30 years ago. The things that they're making commentary on or whatever still Mm. speak to us today, including that care in the community stuff. But then there are other bits that suddenly are this juxtaposition of like... Beth going to find a laser printer she can use. <laughs> like, just things like that. It's yeah. crazy how much things have changed. So, yeah. oh, it really has. Well, Emma we realises really that 30 old. years changes. A things. lot of time has passed, yeah. <laughs> sadly. Um, so, I think that's it. Yeah. It? I think that is, that is it. it. Yeah. So, that was Love to Actually. You can, find, you can find us online. You can find us online. You can. Uh, this is true. You definitely Lovejoy can. Lovejoy A Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, that is true, and we love reviews. And to give you an example of the kind of review that you might like to leave us, um, <laughs> you can leave us any kind of review. But we had a really nice review last week, and I just want to thank so much the person who wrote it, who said, uh, who called us a hoot and a riot. I'm going to read this because it just made my week. Um, the finest Lovejoy Pod in the land by three very lovely. That's us. Hilarious social drinkers <laughs> whose attention to detail is never second to none but always review each Lovejoy episode with a real warmth and affection that the show deserves. And this is the line that I love. The empty hole of the empty hole of my life has finally been filled. Oh, What's the username? Uh, username is Maca Lemon. That is honestly the best bit about that review I love it what brilliant it is really good so you can leave us you can leave us a review on that was on uh, iTunes but you can leave us a review on wherever you get your podcast sorry every podcast I listen to is American Um, I mean you can slag us off as well it's just that we we appreciate some feedback I don't mind because I don't read them I just rely on Polly and she only tells me the nice ones (laughs) we only get nice ones I, I I think I mean we're fairly uncontroversial. I'm going to just put it out there. <laughs> I think that should be the tagline of our co- uh, our podcast. Love fairly actually. uncontroversial podcast. Fairly uncontroversial. Now, it's a great tagline. Now to get worked up about. <laughs> a fairly uncontroversial... Can we change the website to Love to actually a fairly uncontroversial podcast about Love Joy? Yes, um, that's exactly what I'm going to change it to. Um, you can also find us on Patreon. Um, at patreon.com forward slash lovejoy actually where there are full length interviews and some blooper reels and maybe even some videos I'm not very good at editing videos so don't get excited we've got a lot of exciting (laughs) stuff coming up although by the time this podcast goes out you might have heard it all already but um, if you're one of our patrons you will have done Uh, anyway that's it we're done we're we're also on coffee ko-fi.com do we ever get any money on that? We got some last Christmas, which I immediately spent on a memory card and some batteries. Well, <laughs> oh, wonderful nice. Christmas present. Lovely listeners, Christmas. If you want to give Love Joy actually a Christmas present, oh, yeah. that's the best way Christmas to do it. Kofi, ko-fi.com slash Love Joy actually. Give us a Christmas present. Yes, definitely. Yeah, if we made you laugh. Um, if we made you or laugh. Or yeah. moved you in some other way. I wish that I hadn't said that. I'm definitely going to cut that out. Then, uh, then give us a couple of quid. Yay. All right, everybody. Yeah. We will see you uh, next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.
Nobody said Zoom wave.